hit you in a land, can you fit me in your plans? I like you, I do. We went over to France and we woke up in Japan, I like you, I do. Welcome back to the Empowerment PT podcast. Um, for those of you who don't know, I am Bex. I am the host of the podcast. Usually we would have guests in, um, usually we'd have clients or other people that have invited in for the podcast, but it's just me, myself and I today. Um, reason being is because not a lot of people actually know where Mackenzie Fitness comes from or who even I am. So I wanted to do a podcast just about that and about myself and where I came from and where I am now. Essentially building up to the business that I have um, which is Mackenzie Fitness and obviously leading into the other podcasts we've had with clients previously and the relationship that I've developed with them. So I've been doing this now for the last nearly three years and I started in lockdown. If you're, if you're from the UK you'll know how many lockdowns we had so the very very first one. Um, I started doing my business then and my area of expertise is helping females and empowering women and just giving them a voice. So part of the reason why I started the podcast was to do that um, and I'm going to be doing a lot of using my own voice today and speaking about things that I've never really spoke about before. I tried to record this already and it was it was nerve-wracking so bear with me but it is something that I really want to talk about and it's something that I think a lot of people should be aware of. Um, as I say not many people know about me and where I came from and it's my story so I feel like in order to empower other women and give them a voice I need to use my own. So I grew up in a pretty, starting from the very beginning, I grew up in a pretty rough area. Um, I grew up in Govan, um, which is probably not as bad as other places, but when I was growing up, it was pretty rife with crime. It was pretty rife with um, low-income households, and it was pretty rife with a lot of gangs and drugs and whatever, and it probably still is the same now. It might have gotten better, probably, it might have gotten worse. I don't know, I've not been there for a while, but... I grew up in between there and I grew up outside Paisley, so I went between the two of them. Um, I had family in Govan and I had family near Paisley. And for me, I had a history of being bullied when I was younger and I struggled to fit in quite a lot. I was judged for my appearance, I was judged for how I looked. There was a time where I remember where I was in school and this must have been like primary three and I was I had to just amuse myself, play play games by myself most of the time because of how much the bullying was um, and the absolute ignorance of the teachers back then I kind of think about now is how come they never seen anything that was going on but I was just playing by myself and I went up to the top of the climbing frame and I was like chilling up there just going up and down just as you do as you're a kid and next thing you know I'm being pushed off I've cracked my head open, I have broken my wrist and it's been a case of I've had to go to hospital and be in a cast and it all happened so quickly. So that was just some of the experiences that I had in primary school. I'd come home black and blue most days, bruises, cuts, scratches, you name it, it was pretty bad. Um, so that wasn't the best start to my life and I think now as an adult going through Probably I've talked about this in the other podcast episodes, but going through my life now as an adult, I've struggled a lot with anxiety and I spoke about this, I think, quite a lot with one of my clients, Chloe, on the second podcast episode that we did um, and we were talking about body image and anxiety and that sort of thing. I think I remember my first panic attack being when I was six and I don't even think I knew that what a panic attack was at that time, but I remember just feeling the exact same feelings that I do now when I get one at that age 
and for a six-year-old to be going through that it was it was scary you know you don't know what's happening to you I mean you think you're just you think you're gonna die like that's what it feels like um and that probably originated into the rest of my childhood and into my adulthood before I chose to go to therapy and deal with it all which again I've, I've spoke about previously um in other episodes and I'll touch on it in this one so that's just kind of an insight to start with of the start of my childhood um a lot of this will probably be quite deep and quite heavy um and it's not going to be as light-hearted as the other episodes might have been but as I say it's important to use your voice and speak about these episodes and speak about important conversations that need to happen um so that's probably what this podcast is mainly going to be about i'll try and include some laughs in there and keep it light-hearted but it is quite a serious one today um and it's just to give you an insight as to where i came from i had also grown up uh, in between all this um and the start of my anxiety and though you wouldn't think it now with my job I, I, I do still have it now it's quite bad socially i struggle um, but I'm working on that and I've chose to work on that but it, that wasn't always the case so being really young and having my first panic attack at six I think being in a household where I had quite a distance relationship with my mum like my mum was my mum was in the picture but she was very distant in my life um, and I think having that to deal with at home and then going to school and not really having anyone was a very big impact on me negatively um, and I think if I'd had maybe a wee bit more support in either end, whether I was at school or at home, that could have been squashed down and I probably would have been able to grow a bit better as a child and probably have less anxiety than I do now. But I'm also kind of glad that those experiences did happen to me because it did shape what I became in my later life. Um, so because of all the bullying and things that I went through, I had a really close relationship with my gran and she actually suggested that I go into martial arts which is what I started doing from the age of seven so the worst part of the bullying was probably up to the age of six at seven years old decided to go with my grand's idea um, and she was more thinking about it for the social aspect she wasn't really thinking about it in terms of my weight or my appearance which is what I got picked on for I was quite a chubby kid um, I was quite big for my age and it was just mainly down to the diet that I had my mum worked three jobs and she was trying to keep a, a roof over her head and for for the food that we had it was literally just the cheapest thing and it was usually microwave meals and it was wasn't the healthiest I mean I was also quite a fussy eater when I was younger so trying to get me to eat any sort of vegetable was a battle and my mum probably just wanted an easy life I did, as did my gran so that obviously led me to putting a bit of weight on as a kid and that's probably where the bullying started but my grand wasn't really thinking about that when she said go to martial arts. She was probably thinking about it more for the social aspect, like make friends, go out and have fun with kids my own age, try and get a bit of more socialisation happening and to prevent the social anxiety that I had. Started that and I absolutely loved it. The amount of discipline it required obviously was really, really hard, but I started that and I, I ended it when I was 16, 17. So that's a good 10 years roundabout of me doing that and it was probably the best time that I've had growing up the amount of mental resilience the amount of discipline that I had and the amount of friendships I did make it was worthwhile but there was also the kind of other hand to that which was it developed a lot of disordered eating patterns for me and a lot of disordered eating thoughts because there was weight categories involved and I did lose a lot of weight when I did the sports I was moving more than I probably ever have 
I probably wasn't eating as much as I should have. And it led me on to developing probably the, the worst time of my bulimia, which trigger warning, obviously, but bulimia um, and other eating, kind of disordered eating thoughts where I had a really bad mindset towards food for many, many years. It was a case of if I didn't make my weight for the category I was in, um, I must have been a teenager at this point, I remember I would forcefully go into the toilets at the club that I was training at and I would make myself sick and I would do that until I made my category weight because I was trying to lose as much water as I could and there was all sorts of other methods that we did involving losing water. Boxers do it quite often um, and it was a horrible, horrible time um, and I then later on in my life developed a fear of sick due to that experience and it was a horrible thing to go through at such a young age. It was so confusing for a young girl um, to be told that because she didn't meet this weight category that she wasn't enough, you know, she wasn't worthy of doing competing or being at that level. Um, and that was the first time where, apart from being at school and apart from being at home, I just felt like I didn't belong. I felt like I didn't fit in. If being bullied wasn't enough and didn't and feeling like I didn't fit in there wasn't enough, then being an adult nearly and being in my teenage years and having to go through all this, it was a double dunt and it was hurtful. And it was hard because I had such a good relationship with many people, as I say, when I was at the sport, I had a great mental attitude towards the sport that I was doing. I loved it. I loved going to training. I loved participating in competitions. I loved the thrill, the experience, the audience. I loved it all. But there was always that in the back of my mind where I knew that if I didn't make my weight category, I wouldn't be able to do any of that. And it was so much pressure. And it was a lot of what society kind of expects now where you know, you're judged on your weight and you're judged on your appearance. And that followed me through into a sport, which I, which was meant to do me the world of good when I was younger. And it, I then kind of took a break from martial arts after dealing with all of that. And my exams were coming up, so I wanted to pursue them anyway, but mainly because of the pressure that I was under at that age to go through what I went through. I, I couldn't do it anymore. And I went into a different sport um, and I had a love for athletics throughout school anyway and so going into that kind of club was easier. So I transitioned into that thinking that that environment would be better. It was probably a lot worse. Although there wasn't weight categories involved as a sprinter, which is what I was, I expect I was expected to have a certain look about me. You'll probably know yourself if you've been involved in athletics, there is long distance runners or short distance runners. Typically, the long distance runners are usually a bit slimmer in their frame, just the amount of miles that they're running, quite rightly so. But for a sprinter, you're expected to have this muscle mass so you can go faster and so you can be more powerful in your explosiveness with the actions that you're doing in the run. And I feel like my muscle mass was quite far behind at that stage. I mean, I was young. I hadn't developed a lot of muscle mass at that age compared to the other girls that I had surrounded myself with who'd obviously been doing it since they were young. And that was a lot of pressure on me as well. And I felt like that pushed me into going to the gym. I'd already had an injury kind of from my martial arts. It was more so putting me out of action rather than an injury where I had to go through rehab in the gym. But that pushed me more through athletics towards a gym environment. And I kind of got into over-exercising due to the fact that I was expected to have this look about me as a sprinter. 
and I was good at sprinting. Um, can't say it's the same now, but I was good at sprinting back then, and I really wanted to live up to that image. Um, and I think that was probably the worst. It was a worse environment than my bulimia was being forced to put on muscle at such a young age. That's difficult for women as it is, but as a as a teenager who's never done a sport like this, it was a lot. Um, and I pursued that throughout school and throughout my exams. Because of all the external stress and the kind of eating disordered thoughts that I'd had, I went through a lot of stress through my exams where I started failing everything that I was doing. I started failing all my exams and all the assessments and courses that I was doing in high school. And I think it was just the external stress and not being able to really talk about it with anyone. That was the issue. I had a distant relationship with my family, which I mentioned at the start. So I couldn't speak to anyone about what I was going through. And it was, again, this constant feeling of, I'm not enough. I can't fit in. I'm not worthy. And it was circling around my head. And it was difficult. It was a difficult time. Um, and it's probably the first time I've actually spoken about how it all made me feel. But I'm sure there's other young girls who have maybe been through the same. And I totally relate to how you were feeling at that time. You feel alone. You know, you feel like there's you're going nuts because you don't really know how to explain it to anyone but you know it's impacting you hugely and it's it was impacting my future at this point as well I developed more of a negative relationship with my mum at this point as well me and my mum are two different people she knows this we've made amends kind of now when I'm 22 years old but when I was young it, it was a struggle you know it was a lot of there was a lot of verbal abuse there was a lot of manipulation there was a lot of toxicity within the household um and I think my mum has always had trauma that she's probably not addressed from her her past life which is not my story to tell but she's probably not dealt with that as as much as she should have and she's acknowledged us that she should have dealt with it better um and growing up there was prime examples of this and I think we become more we became more estranged um if that's the word for it when I was just when I was that age as well and again, I just I just felt really alone at that point. And it led me on to leaving school, also mainly because I was struggling. I left school early, but also as I kind of like, well, fuck you to my mum because she wasn't helping me and I didn't know what else to do. And I just kind of wanted to rebel against what she was saying, um, as you do when you're a teenager. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I just wanted to get out of the environment that I was in. And I went on to work full time. My stepdad had a, worked in a, a warehouse at the time. I wouldn't name the company <laughs> because I had bad experiences with them as well. But he, he worked in a, a warehouse and I went to work in a different one. So there's like chains and there's different stores and things. So I went to work in one of them and he was in one in Glasgow. And I worked in one outside Paisley. So we were working together and he managed to get me a job, which was good. Um, And that was when I met my ex-boyfriend uh, my first my first ever boyfriend and my ex-boyfriend and during this time of my life I was very attached to anybody that was nice to me I was attached to anybody that I thought was gonna like me for who I was growing up there's obviously that history of I didn't have that so I was attached to anybody who showed interest in me and Although my ex-boyfriend was a good number of years older than me, he didn't lead on at first that that was his age. Um, he actually lied to me about his age at first. I met him through a friend and we were talking on Instagram and he told me he was younger than what he was. 
But as we went into our, our relationship later down the line and the conversations that we would have where I thought he really liked me, I realised he was actually grooming me, um, which was hard to cope with. Um, and I was turning 16 at this point, so I was still 15, but I was, wasn't far away from being 16. Uh, he was 20 and he didn't tell me that until we went into a relationship. He told me he was 17. Um, which was obviously a lie and he didn't actually tell me until I confronted him as someone else knew his age um, so he was I, I should have taken that as a red flag from the start but somehow in my mind I warped it into he's just thinking that I'm mature for my age he's just thinking that I'm you know been through a lot and he wants to help me and you know he wants to make sure that I've got a good life now and he likes me for who I am I warped that image in my head because he was the first person that I thought showed interest in me. And as I say, I became very attached to these people. Um, and I stayed and I shouldn't have, but as you don't know any better and I didn't know what was to come. So that happened and obviously I'd kind of had a really distant relationship with my family. So I clung on more to him as the years went on. And I remember him saying to me, oh, you know, we, we could stay together and we could start our own life and he managed to convince me that my mum hated me and he managed to convince me that my family just didn't want anything to do with me and if I moved in with him like they wouldn't say anything like it's not like we had a good relationship anyway and the more I think about it I think whatever I told him he would hold against me and he would get to know every, every little detail about my life so that later on he could hold it against me especially in arguments where he would say it's no wonder your mum doesn't want you it's no wonder you've got this bad relationship with so-and-so or you were bullied as a kid or you had this and they would use everything in arguments against me and I realise that now and I think he was just, he didn't actually care about me, he just wanted to get to know as much about me as he could so that he could insult me and know what hurt me and hurt me deep down and hurt me, hit me where it hurts as they say um, and I believed everything that he was saying I was manipulated into everything that he was saying and he coaxed me into moving in with him when I'd, when I'd turned 16 and it was a it was a horrible hostile environment from day one as soon as I was in the door. That's where the abuse started verbally, physically, mentally, like controlling every form you can think of was, was this man and I, I, should, I use man loosely, he's a wee boy, he's a coward. But that's what he was doing to me and I felt like I had no control. He was much bigger than I was and I felt like I couldn't fight him off. And I just allowed things to happen. And I, I was young, I didn't know any better. I just assumed this is what relationships were like. I just assumed this is, I'd had most, I had had most of it my whole life of being picked on and bullied and, you know, a toxic relationship in the house. I thought all this behaviour was normal. And it's so sad to look back on. And one of the things I look at in my therapy now with, with my therapist is that behaviour isn't, isn't normal. And it took a lot of me to get out of that programming for so many years. Um, and for years I stayed with him and the amount that I went through is indescribable. And it was a case of going to work, coming home, not having anyone to speak to apart from him, being so isolated, not having any friends. All I knew was him. And I was so scared to leave because I would have no one. I couldn't. I thought I couldn't go back home. I thought they hated me. I didn't have any friends to reach out to. 
he didn't speak to his family again another red flag but I didn't see the red flags that were staring at me so blatantly in the face because I just thought he liked me and I clung on to that and I thought in my mind that I could change him which most people do when they're in these types of relationship but it's not my job to fix someone it's not anybody's job to fix anyone and I think I found comfort in the chaos that I was in and that's why I stayed with him it got to the point where I actually applied to college and this is where I laugh because I feel like my whole career has been a fluke at this point because I applied to college on a whim where I wanted to escape and get out temporarily of the house that I stayed in with him and I applied to college because that's what I wanted to do I didn't really mind what course it was that I did I just wanted to get out and I knew that I liked the gym and I knew that fitness had played a large part in my life and I knew that I wanted to try and better my mindset towards food and exercise and I thought what better way to do that than to study it so I applied to do that in college. I applied to do fitness, health and exercise and, and I did sports development first of all for the first two years. After that, went on to fitness and health and exercise as well. And being in college was like so freeing. There's no other feeling like it. It was like every time I left the house, I had this sense of freedom where I could just go and speak to people that I'd never spoken to before and make new relationships with people and make friends. And that's all I wanted. But then there was always that sense of dread of oh, I need to come back and I need to deal with him. And that went on for a good couple of years until it didn't. And that was when I had to get the police involved and it was a scary time. And it was the events that went down. I'm still scared to speak about now because I don't want the backlash from it. And there was a time where there was a lot of backlash from me trying to speak out. I actually didn't have a Twitter account for a while because of the amount of abuse online I would receive from his friends, his people that he knew, who didn't know the full story, who didn't know anything about me, who didn't know anything about what had happened and weren't there to make an opinion but decided that I was a liar just because he told them that I was and it was, the, it was a horrible night where I had bruises everywhere all over me, I had ribs broken, um, I was literally on the floor to 999 unable to form sentences because of the amount of pain I was in and thankfully the operator had common sense and sent the police out even though I never I never asked for it but she could tell that I needed it um, and that was a horrible time and that was the time where I decided that finally that enough was enough because it kind of clicked in my head that it didn't matter what he'd done before he'd never done anything like this and after speaking to the police, it was a case of if I don't leave now, he's going to kill me. He's, I'm going to die here. And it was a time where I had to, I had to just go. And I haven't seen him since. Um, I went to court for it, but sometimes the justice system is, is a bit unfair and he still walks free. But I haven't seen him and I don't hope I never see him again. Um, thankfully, there's a restraining order in place, which is my, my, my kind of comfort blanket with all this. But it was a it was a horrible, horrible time. And that was probably the start of my first ever breakdown that I've had from that whole experience. I had to move back home as well. And that's when I finally reached out to my family members. And it was it was so eye-opening when I'd I'd spoken to them all because they had no idea what was going on. And they hadn't any idea where I'd been, really, for the last couple of years. They just assumed that I'd moved in out my own choice and I'd chosen not to speak to them. Which now, 
thinking back, like I've missed out on so many years of spending time with them just because I was coaxed and manipulated into believing that they all didn't want anything to do with me. And I moved back home and slowly built back up what I'd lost. But I was, I remember I was sleeping on a mattress in my mum's living room for weeks because when I'd moved out, I have two younger sisters. One of them had got in my room because they were sharing a room at the time. I remember sleeping on a mattress on the floor thinking like, what is going on? Like, I, I shouldn't be in this position. Um, and I'd still go to college at this time. I still, I never stopped. I went back and forth because I cared about my, my future and I wasn't going to let this stop what I wanted to do. And so I went back and nobody really knew what was going on. And again, there was that feeling of isolation because I couldn't feel like I could tell anyone what was going on. I had the abuse online where I was getting loads of people telling me that I was a liar. And so if I was to speak out about it, I just felt like I was going to get more hate. And I decided not to talk about anything. And part of um, the court case anyway at the time was that I couldn't talk about it. So that was easy enough. If anybody asked what was going on, I just mentioned that I was, I was going through a bit, a bit of a tough time and I, I didn't want to talk about it right now. And that's all I had to say. And then slowly it was just pushed under the carpet, shoved under the rug and we moved on. And it was as if it never happened. And looking back, I think college was probably like the best parts of my life. It's probably something that I should have had in high school that I ended up having in college. And I had a really positive experience with the college that I went to. And it was it was a really good time for me. Um, but being at home where the relationship was fragile and coming out of a domestic violence relationship, it really, really led me onto a downward spiral. Um, I then, I kind of realized at the time that it wasn't really so much my mum that was the problem. Uh, I had a lot of issues with my stepdad as well and my stepdad and I haven't had any contact in since the start of this year. Uh, I chose that. They, him and my mum are divorced now for many, many years of ongoing issues that they had. But I realised looking back that probably my mum was struggling more than she was letting on and it was down to him. And there was a lot that went on where I felt like when I came in the house, I was walking on eggshells around him. And, you know, I felt like he wasn't probably used to all the changes as much as everybody else was getting used to them. And he still kind of, I feel like now he didn't probably believe what had happened. I don't think he fully believed me, um, which is hurtful. When I told him about everything, even with the police and the court case and everything, I felt like there was a lot of hesitation around whether he believed me or not. And I feel like he resented me for being back at the house. I feel like he thought that I'd kind of damaged the family and that was his view. Um, and he showed it a lot in the house. And I didn't know whether he was going to be angry when I came in. I didn't know whether he was going to be okay. I didn't know if he was going to be in a mood. I didn't know if he was going to be all right. I didn't know if he was going to be happy, sad, angry. The next thing, I had no idea what his emotions were going to be. And that played a lot of my a lot through my anxiety that I'd already had. Feel like it got worse and worse. I struggled to even speak to people because I thought I'm annoying you because that's what I had in the house where I, every time I spoke to my stepdad I felt like I was annoying him um, and I had to deal with that and my mental health was probably the worst it's ever been at this point um, and it was, a, it was a really dark time coming out of all of that but I had, <laughs> it sounds daft, but I had my college to keep me going so I went through it and I went through it and I, I kind of built up and built up um, my course but 
again, being attached to people really easily, I got into the wrong crowd and I started doing drugs. And I started drinking quite heavily at the weekend. I was 18 at this point. So I started doing a lot of things that I probably shouldn't be doing. And I think that was to kind of numb everything I was feeling at the time at home, the relation, the, the, the relationship that he should have been in jail for, but he wasn't. And it was a lot of negative emotions and a lot of dark head spaces through that time. And I used the drugs and alcohol to cope. And it was a case of, I wouldn't drink or anything throughout the week. I didn't think it was that bad. I didn't think I had a problem until it was one. And I started binging excessively at the weekend on drugs and alcohol. Um, and the crowd that I was with condoned it. They believed that it was a good time and there wasn't anything to worry about. And I thought, again, that that behaviour was normal. And I went through with it because I thought, oh, these people believe me. These people like me. These people want me to be in their circle. They care for me. And they're just making sure I have a good time. I warped so many realities of what, of what was actually going on. I ignored so many red flags throughout my life. And because of that, I ended up going into a kind of second mental breakdown. But I call this one the good mental breakdown, if there ever is a good mental breakdown, because that is the one that changed me. And that was the one that decided I decided that I was going to grow from that point. And that was when, as I'd mentioned, I changed my college course and started pursuing what I actually wanted to do, um, which was the fitness, health and exercise rather than sports development. And I decided to get into bodybuilding. I decided to get into the gym. I decided to pursue it properly. Um, I went to a specialist for my eating disorder and I realized I just I didn't want to feel the way that I did anymore I didn't want to feel like nothing I wanted to feel like I was making something of my life and I was making the necessary steps to change it whether I had support or not um, and during this time as well I was living with a friend because I'd moved out of the house but then I decided to move in with my gran just because that friend I realized wasn't a friend and there was a lot of things regarding that, which is probably a whole other episode on its own. <laughs> but I decided to move in with my gran. Um, and that was a safer place for me. Um, and I also was told during this time that my mum was moving and taking my siblings with her to Northern Ireland, where she lives now. And I haven't been to see them in two years, um, but I'm going to see them at the end of this month, which is really positive. But I remember I held a lot of resentment against my mum for her moving because I thought, why would you not want to fix something with me when we've not had a relationship for so long? My mum just kind of wanted to run away from a lot of problems that were going on at the time. She got a job offer and that was the first thing that she decided to do was, was move. I also think that she kind of wanted to get away from my stepdad um, and how he was in the house and kind of how toxic he was as a person. And looking back now, I get where she's coming from. But at the time, I thought she was leaving because she just wanted to run away and she was leaving me behind. I couldn't, she knew I couldn't go with her. I had too many commitments here. And I'd also met John at this point, my, my boyfriend, and I didn't want to leave him either we know we'd only had a fresh relationship at this point but I felt like I wanted to get to know him better and I wanted to stay not not stay for him but he was someone in my life that was a constant and he was someone that was better than me and I had college here as well so those two things 
were constant and better in me throughout my life and I wasn't going to just give up everything for, for my mum who wasn't consistent in my life and who I didn't have a good relationship for. And it was hard because I cared about my sisters so much and I wanted to protect them and it was difficult to cope with. But now, looking back, I do see why, why she done it. But that's why I had to move in with my gran at the time. And I think now that was probably a smart move um, rather than staying in the house that I was in with the friend that I thought was a friend. I also decided to quit my job at the hardware store at this time just because of the things that were going on with my stepdad. I didn't really want to be involved in the company and I didn't want to be involved with the place that he worked in. And I changed jobs at this point. Um, but after a lot of incidents that happened at that workplace, um, which again, won't name, won't name the people <laughs> because I don't want sued, but a lot of incidents that happened there, I decided to just live off my student loan and finish my college course. I didn't want to work. I'd had enough years of working and not pursuing something that I actually wanted to do. So I went on to living off my student loan for the rest of the time. And it was kind of over this Christmas period and obviously into the start of um, 2020 that the lockdown hit the first one back in March. And that was where I was finishing off my college course. I had no idea what I was going to do. I wasn't meant to start my business that early because I didn't have my qualification through the door yet, but I knew I had to do something. And so after staying with my boyfriend, kind of accidentally, but also because you weren't to go anywhere during the lockdown at one point. So I was, my gran was in Paisley, just outside of Paisley and I was in Cumbernauld. So I couldn't go back to my grand's because you weren't allowed to go, like, was it five miles or something outside of your, outside of the radius you were in. So staying with with John and his family, I decided to do fitness classes out in the back garden. And that's probably the start of my, my legacy, if there ever was one. Because I remember jumping about like an absolute goofball in this back garden and the neighbours probably got a laugh. I got a laugh and it was it was fun. But that was where my career started was was was, was a back garden, essentially. You know, doing fitness classes on Zoom. All my classes ended up being kind of fully booked because they were free. And because I, I didn't want to make any profit from it, I was quite comfortable living off my student loan until I got qualified. And then I would start worrying about money, but I was putting savings away and my only intention is was to help people. And I've said this before, but it will always be to help people. And I wanted to help people and especially in a horrible time like lockdown. And I didn't want them to feel alone because I'd spent years feeling alone for so many incidents that had happened in my life. And I think for me to give someone or other people a sense of happiness and enjoyment and a challenge to better them. That's all I wanted at that time. And I kind of got online, cli online clients out of that. Um, a few people had approached me for online, um, but we couldn't go into the gym, obviously, at that point. They were closed. So the next protocol was Zoom sessions. And I remember the Zoom session days really vividly. They were they were fun. Try to improvise and try to do things. Um, with, with what they had at home, people were buying weights and all sorts of things for workouts at home. And between my Zoom classes and between my Zoom sessions, that was the start of my career. That was where Mackenzie Fitness officially started, was in a back garden and on a laptop. And those same people, Kirsty, for example, who was here on one of the other podcast episodes, 
has been with me since day one and it's beyond privilege we've grown together as people they've seen me from the very start and they've seen me now touch wood still thriving um, at this age i'm nearly 23 now and to look back like it's crazy how far i've actually come and i then progressed on to the working in a gym where i am now it was previously known as exercise for less but you'll know that if you're from cumbernauld it's now a, a JD gyms and i love it there like don't get me wrong, I'd, I'm working towards my own facility in the future. That's always the next goal. But to be in a gym environment and to be in the space that I am with my clients, it's a feeling like no other. I think back to who I was when I was younger and there was a time where I didn't think I would be alive due to the situation I was in to see where I am now. And that's that's always going to be so meaningful to me. And it's always going to be the start of my legacy. With all of this as well, it led me on to moving into my first home by myself my first flat and I never thought I would be able to do anything like that I never thought I'd be able to afford rent monthly by myself live by myself do things on my own but it was either that or commuting on public transport from Paisley to Cumbernauld every single day there would be days where I wouldn't get home until like 10 o'clock at night because of the the commute that I had and going back and forth but I just knew that that was what I had to do I don't drive yet. Hopefully by the time next year comes, I will be. That's that's one of my end of end of the year goals is to get that ticked off. But I'm so proud to have actually moved into my first home and to be in a gym environment and to have clients that slowly grew as the years have went on. And I've risen from having nothing to over 40 clients and thriving. And that list will probably go on as as the days and months go on and there's people who have been with me since day one as I said and every one of the team is so appreciated our community is absolutely thriving we share things and we go through things together and we hold each other's hands and we empower each other and that's where the empowerment PT came from because that's what I've always wanted to do is to empower people and as I said at the start to give people a voice I regained contact as I said briefly with my mum and we we have we are working towards resolving a lot of issues in the past. I've regained contact with my younger sisters, more importantly, who will always be an important part of my life. And I started to challenge my mental health and work on my self-development and my surroundings. And I'm now heading towards what I hope is more of a positive ending and more of better than what it was at the start. And I wouldn't change anything that actually happened to me. People ask me this all the time, like, would you change anything that, that you went through? And truth be told, no, I wouldn't. Because if I didn't go through all of that, I wouldn't be here where I am today, giving people a voice, helping people through similar experiences and giving people, especially the women that I work with, that confidence mentally, physically in all areas of their life and to help them understand that they can get through anything if I didn't have previous experience. Maybe some of the things I talk about I'm not exactly qualified to do, but it's just life experience. I'm 23 next month and I have a lot of life experience and a lot of things that I've went through and I feel like that's my right to be able to share that and to be able to help people and to help them grow through relatability and through giving them support and making them feel less alone because I know how it feels to have no one and I'm so proud of all of them but most importantly I'm, I'm proud of myself for getting through the things that I never thought I'd be able to do. And it'll be three years in March next year of 2023 where I'll be three years into the business. Most businesses don't even last a year. 
So I'm quite proud of that milestone. When we get to five years, it'll be more of a celebration, but I'm quite proud of the fact I've lasted this long. Um, and hopefully, as I said, it will be working towards a lot of self-development and a lot of happy endings. I've been working on my mental health as well. As I said, I've got a therapist and therapy sometimes is a quite a controversial topic for a lot of people. Um, it's not for everyone. Some people don't think it works, but for me, it has. And I was a bit skeptical to start with because I thought, oh my God, I'm going to speak to this person. I don't know. Telling them about the same way that I'm doing this now for, for everyone here on the podcast is telling them stuff all about me and emotionally offloading as such about my life. But if it helps someone, then it's worth it. And the same way for therapy, if you get help out of it and you get solutions and you can have years of programming that you need to undo for the better, then it's worth it. It's 100% worth it. And it's not even if you have went through trauma, everybody should have therapy just for life. Life can be stressful sometimes and having people not to speak to um, that aren't your family or having people to speak to, sorry, that aren't your family is really important. Like a non-biased approach that always helps and so that's why I've continued with therapy for as long as I have I think it's over a year now and the work that I've been I've been doing on myself has been life-changing and I, it encourages me to be not only a better person but to be a better business owner and having a supportive partner like John has been life-changing as well I've mentioned this before probably on social media and I don't post a lot of personal stuff about a relationship but I do feel that as cringy as it might sound, we are a power couple. We work extremely well together. We support each other. And he does love me no matter what. And he does want to be with me no matter what. And he likes me for me, unlike what I thought was the case years ago. This is actually the case now. He actually does want to be with me and he actually does like me for me. And that is a feeling like no other, where that is reciprocated from me to him and from him to me. And it's it's the best part of being a business owner is getting to share that with all your wins and all of your success and share lessons as well with someone who's so similar and like-minded to you and he knows how much I appreciate him but I do I really do appreciate him and I'm really thankful that he was the person that came into my life when I maybe wasn't expecting it and I think as I said at the start my whole career even though it was to start with an escapism it turned into the best thing I've ever done for myself and it's something that I see myself doing in years to come um even when I'm in my 50s or whatever I still plan on PTing like it's I, I don't see myself doing anything else now and I hope that through many other episodes for the podcast we can share more lessons and we can share laughs and we can share wins and losses and everything in between and I think doing this episode was really important to me so that I could share what I've been through and for you to get to know about me um so if you made it this far and it wasn't too too deep for you thank you um and i hope that gives you an insight into mckenzie fitness and hopefully the next episode will be a bit more cheerier and a bit more full of laughs but yeah um for those that asked for it there you are that's about me and i'll see you on the next one I hit you when